Hey everybody, I'm Eric Tornberg, co-founder, partner, Village Global, a network-driven venture firm. And this is an episode of Venture Stories, where we deep dive on topics relating to tech and business with some of the world's leading experts. I'm here with Holly and Selena of Move With and Gigso. Guys, welcome to the prestigious Village Global Podcast, Venture Stories. Thank you for having us. How's it going? It's going well, thank you. Cool. So Holly, can you please introduce what Move With is? Yeah. So Move With is a personal fitness audio membership that delivers audio coaching across body, mind, and soul. And it gives you a product that lets you have fitness on your terms through amazing coaches and audio. Thanks, Selena. So with Kixo, we have live coach fitness classes and we deliver similarly an amazing amazing audio experience and video mixed, but our classes are essentially live with coaches, music, and then the community of people that are taking the class with you. Awesome. Holly, I met you a couple years ago and saw that you you had a very strong passion for consumer fitness and shared that. How have you sort of evaluated the landscape of what you can do in consumer fitness and how have you settled on what you're currently doing? Yeah. So, I mean, I started out just with like a high level goal of wanting to help people motivate to be active, which stemmed from my background in athletics. Um, And so I I looked at a lot of different things. Actually, I'm a mechanical engineer by training. So originally I thought I wanted to do something more hardware data oriented. I fairly quickly realized that for me, when it comes to motivation, it came down to people. And specifically with my athletic background, I came down to coaches. And so I got much more interested in how can we shorten the distance between people everywhere and those incredible coaches that make you work out not just to like have a great body but they they make you they pull something out of you that makes you want to keep coming back day after day we've we've evolved a bit the very first product actually set out to unlock coaches across the country to give them the tools and the platform to reach people everywhere in person and what we realized that was that to to really deliver on the mission of helping people be fit everywhere, we needed to start digital. And so we we did a lot of research on what's the most powerful way to consume fitness coaching through a digital product and landed on audio fitness for a number of reasons, which I can go into later. But we launched V1 of that about a year ago and have seen really strong traction and just like the, the experience of audio is something that you can take anywhere. It's immersive, it's on your terms, but it, it's, it keeps that power of the coach. Mm-hmm. And how about you with Kixo this now? Um, so unlike Holly, I was definitely not an athlete. <laughs> and, uh, in fact, you know, when I, I was at Survey Monkey for mm-hmm. about six and a half years prior to starting Gixo, and um, for five and a half years, I literally did no exercise. I had both my kids, was commuting to Palo Alto. Unfortunately, the CEO of Survey Monkey passed, and it was quite sudden, and it sort of made me step back and think, okay, how can I use technology to drive change in health and wellness? And the thing that really stuck out about fitness was both from a business perspective, how inefficient the market is, and we can talk about that. But then for me personally, also, it was how if you can just get people to move 21 minutes a day, you have this 31% reduction in a 14-year death rate. Like Mm -hmm. it, It was just amazing when you looked at the numbers. 
And so we did a whole bunch of consumer research and started talking to people about why they don't exercise. And, you know, the two things that always come back are lack of time and lack of motivation. And we really felt similarly in terms of the motivation side was if you could actually create an experience that was live and a synchronous experience where people were doing it together and you were supporting each other, um, then you were going to have the best retention rates. And so when you look at the offline market and you see the orange theory, the, the Barry's Bootcamp, the Soul Cycle. There's been this huge investment in the high end, right. um, but those do have better retention rates. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, you like you yeah. enjoy that music, the right. class, the coaches. Like it's this immersive experience, and you walk out, you didn't think that was boring. You think that was fun, mm-hmm. um, and we wanted to deliver that fun, entertaining, engaging experience, but for a price point that was affordable to most of the U.S. Right. So that was kind of the the crux. Yeah, so I, I found a lot. As I've come across entrepreneurs who are building companies in the space, that they, it either comes from a passion, like in Holly's case, or from a sort of, you know, something happened in their life similar to, you know, why people start health companies. And in your case, but people, you know, realize it's, it's not important to say, hey, I'm good at building companies or I'm good at building products. Let, let's, let's do something in this space. Why is it so hard? <laughs> <laughs> so I think any product where you're actually trying to change behavior, right. it's fundamentally hard, right? And, and when you look even at, the, again, when you look at the offline side and you think about a business, the the market is hugely inefficient. You have, you know, eighty billion dollars a year being spent, twenty eight billion dollars in the U.S. alone on health clubs, and yet seventy percent of that is going to is people paying and not using. So you only have like so by nature, it's a it's a hard business and a hard product, right? So I think that that's like one thing, and then behavior change by itself is very hard. And when you look at the academic research in the space, like the biggest factor for getting you to change your behavior is if you can change your mindset versus that was a chore, that this was something I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. And like, that is the crux in my mind, which is like, that I do think technology can help you change an experience to make it fun. And that's why it's worth trying. But you were talking about like a business where, you know, the best businesses are at a 35, 40% retention rate. Right. Yeah. I always, um, I think about cons- like just consumer motivation and my team and I joke about how food is something that like we all like crave and we look forward to. And then often after we have it, like we feel terrible because we don't always make the best choices. Whereas fitness is something that like most of us kind of dread. It's like something I have to fit into my day, but then after you do it, you feel amazing. And so like, how can you bring that kind of feeling forward mm-hmm. to motivate more people? Yeah. As you guys think about sort of who has been successful in this space, you we were just mentioning, you know, physical experiences like SoulCycle or Barry's Bootcamp. Before the podcast, we're talking about Strava. Uh, I think what Rick is doing is pretty interesting. Like, how would you sort of describe what constitutes the landscape of, of who's been successful in, in consumer fitness? So, so I think there's the offline space. Yep. And I think there, if you look at the past decade, there's been a lot of investment in what I, in the luxury space. Yep. So there's Equinox, SoulCycle, Berries, Orange Theory. There's been those experiences have gone from what is your 24-hour fitness where you're walking in using just like a crappy machine to actually being a place that you want to go to. Yep. And then when you look at the digital side, I think one of the most innovative companies is Peloton because yeah. they've actually – Again, they've tried to change the experience for you, right? So they're giving you something in your home that you can use and change the experience. But again, it's targeted, for the most part, at a luxury customer. It's a multi-thousand dollar bike, multi-thousand dollar treadmill. And so, you know, I think those are the people that have that have made the change. And then when you, but when you look at the bulk, which is 70% of the revenue goes to low to mid-end gyms, there's been very little investment. And that's what we got excited about. One idea I've had for a while that Holly and I tweeted about was like, 
and maybe it's happening but i'm curious are coaches stars or when are they going to be stars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting. Cause, like, if you think about the fitness formats that have been born historically, like most of them took a while, CrossFit, a lot of these guys, even SoulCycle took many years to like really be the thing. But now you have Kayla Itzstein, like you have these yeah. stars emerging because like the loops are just so much tighter now and people are building brands on Instagram. Is this you on the, the BG, what's the company? Yeah. yeah that's the, what's it called? The BGB. BGB. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Like, Kayla money. has built a movement out of yeah. this. Um, and that's all built on her personal brand and something that she stands for. And so, you know, we started with the coach because we really, we really think they're the most powerful, can be the most powerful yeah. asset. And they're also the creators of these really innovative formats. And if you can use technology to help them build those, suddenly the time to market and like the freshness of these innovative programs is transformed. How much of these, these companies that have been successful are solving a problem? that are sort of in the background versus like building a movement that people are flashing onto. Because you mentioned that, what's the company? BBG or it's like really printing cash. Uh, and Barry's, we can't sell site. Like they're really like, how, how much of it is solving a pain point versus, you know, building a super, like super strong community or, or, or following or being a brand yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, but I do think that in all those cases, it's that combination, right? right. Like, which is that, you know, in, the, in the case of using Instagram, like Kayla, to like build your entire following, she ultimately is still delivering right. good content to people, right? And so trying to make their experience of what they're doing a little bit better. Yep. And I mean, I would say the same with SoulCycle. They went after a very, you know, specific brand promise. Right. Um, and you, But you go to that experience and they're delivering on it. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't really think you can separate yeah. sort of that community aspect. I mean, again, when you look at people that retain in fitness, 65% of them are going to classes. And so when you think about it, it's like that is having that community element, whether it's a virtual community or a physical community is really tied. So you are focusing with Kixo on the non-luxury sort of everybody else. (laughs) How do you, um, so I guess what are sort of the key, um, when will you know you're succeeding? Like, how are you thinking about, this is how we're changing behavior. This is how we're urging, you know? So, I mean, I think fundamentally you have to look at retention, right? Right. So it's like, what are your engagement rates that people are actually coming to you and utilizing the product? And like I was saying in the offline space, you only have about a 30% usage. Hmm. Um, And so, you know, our goal is to, is to far exceed that, you know, the, it is a hard thing to try to get someone to do because you are getting them to exercise. So how do you create both an experience that people want to do? You know, how do you create bursts? Like we have, one of the things we've noticed is that by having an app, people can take 15, 25 minute classes, these short classes and still have it be super effective. And so you have people that are willing to do that on a higher frequency basis. Just so you're reducing friction or? Yeah, you're reducing friction. If you, there was a New York Times article very recently that said, even if your gym is three miles closer to you versus five miles, oh. you actually have better attention rates. Anything that can reduce friction is really important. And by allowing you to do it from anywhere and still have an awesome experience, you can reduce that friction. And so, I mean, I think the key is looking at, as looking at engagement. And then it's also like customer sat, like we're pretty, I obviously came in from bias of survey monkey, but like <laughs> measuring, you know, your NPS and measuring sort of the, the customer satisfaction is pretty vital in this space. Yeah. We took, we took a very similar approach where our, our entire first year of putting the move with audio fitness up was all about engagement mm-hmm. and really, really showing to ourselves first and foremost that people were forming a habit here. And the, the friction is something, the other thing that we've seen that's really interesting is, and SoulCycle actually saw this in a study that they did, but 
most people have a cardio quota where like it's like that hard sweaty workout where you're really getting your cardiovascular up um there's a limit to how much people actually are going to do in a week and if you can meet them with things that surround that like the body mind soul type thing we're we're able to really see a, a massive change in people's daily engagement because we're able to meet them not just for the body workout but for a workout that extends to the mind and soul if you guys were running, let's say you were running Village Global, our fund, and our fund was dedicated only to things in the consumer fitness space, how would you, what would your thesis be, or how would you sort of look out at the at the fields of opportunity and say, this is something that hasn't been tapped, or this is something that hasn't been done well, or this new behavior is going to emerge, opening up X level of opportunity? How would you think about it? I mean, I think there's a couple things. One is, is that if, if anybody truly solves that engagement retention issue over time, you know, so it's like, we're very early. We launched end of May. So, you know, we only, we don't even have a year's worth of data to see how people engage. Like then f from a perspective of like, throw your fund at it. <laughs> I'm like, because, because, you know, that's the thing that's been, that's right. been by far hardest to crack. And so I think the question is, is like, how are you, how are you getting people to, to reach that engagement? And, you know, we've been talking, I've been talking about a little bit for us, a big thing that we're thinking about is changing that experience. So trying to make it more fun. We're looking at using the AR kit to add more gamification, but how are you using sort of the devices is going to, to make it an experience that you want to go back and do. I mean, you look at Pokemon Go, yep. it was actually able to drive more activity in two weeks. And I think they said Fitbit was able to do in like a year, wow. you know? <laughs> so that's one piece of it. But I think the other piece of it is community. Like when you look at part of what Kayla's done is like, she's created this amazing community of people that are like essentially supporting right. each other through a journey. And it is a journey to form a habit. And so, you know, those would be some of the elements, which is, which I would look for. I would, um, yeah, I would echo that. The, the community in particular, like I, I think when it when it comes to fitness forming a habit, like we started with the coach because we believe they're yep. the micro influencers of their communities. But but at the end of the day, like having other people there to hold you accountable and is it's really sticky. And so if you're looking for engagement, community, and then just like a unique, the, the space is really crowded right now, mm -hmm. and it's it's pretty saturated in person. And then the digital the digital space I view to be a bit more emergent. And I totally agree that Peloton is the leader in, in innovation, but but someone that's really taking a unique approach to right. how they're delivering online. I saw someone recently who was trying to do Twitch for, for fitness. And so I'm curious, why, why do you think audio was the best way to engage? Yeah. So for us, we, we were looking for a couple of things. We wanted an experience that similarly like brought the feeling of being in a boutique fitness class, yep. which for us was like a really incredible coach who's going to guide you every step of the way. Really awesome music. Um, and then we, the community is something that we're working on, but for, for us, we started with the coach and, and the music and, and audio was something that just gave you that really immersive experience, but you, you didn't have that awkwardness of having to look at the video. We wanted to do something that let us deliver 360 fitness. So as great for your run as it was for your yoga class, as it was for the treadmill. And on top of that, our model is very focused on coaches. And so we wanted to create a format that let them create amazing content wherever they are. And what are the biggest metrics that move it that you're focusing on that are determining whether you're moving in the right direction? So very similar to Lena, we're focused on retention and how the percentage of our user base who is engaging every single week and taking a class and how many classes they're taking. And what do the business models look like? Is it just monthly subscription? Is it 
Yeah, month. I mean, yeah. I think most of the business models are based on monthly subscription because, you know, the again, I think the Soul Cycles and Berries and those side have done a pay per class model, and then there's like the fee if you don't show up. Mm-hmm. But you know, they have a limited physical space on a digital side. You know, you know, there's a question of what's going to actually drive the customer right. for behavior, but you actually want to give them an unlimited access to yeah. to your product because you want right. them to use that 15 minutes every single day yep. as an example. And that, I mean, that's what has the health benefit. When you guys talk to other people in the space or when you talk to people who are trying to build businesses in the space, besides keeping our secrets to yourself, <laughs> what do you think that like people just don't fundamentally understand or, or just sort of you know, underestimate, is it just solely this retention thing and it's, it's all about engagement and retention or, or what do you think people just don't get? I do think the engagement retention issue, I mean, how you've been in that longer, so please, but, but I just feel when you've looked at other consumer businesses or coming from, you know, SurveyMonkey, Ticketmaster, like when you look at retention, it's a very different model when you, when you, when you look at fitness. Yeah, and I think even like the people who aren't necessarily engaging in your product every week often retain longer than they because there's a, a value. There's a value to having that and knowing that you can yep. work out when you want to work out. And so it's just, it's very different than most consumer uh, apps out there. I'm going to say a company in the consumer fitness space, and I want yours to sort of immediate reaction, whether you're long or short, or whether you have a interesting opinion on, on, on the company. <laughs> so one, the first one is, uh, why didn't FitMob work? So Raj is a great guy. Yeah, it sort okay. of works. Raj, Raj is amazing, but if you yeah. if you talk to him, yeah. and, um, yeah. you know, it, basically they were trying to both create the supply and the demand, and so you know, essentially the trainers were responsible for creating the demand, mm-hmm. um, and and that becomes like the tra- trainers themselves, coaches themselves, aren't necessarily expert marketers, um, and so they obviously moved into the class pass model, right? And so you know, from our perspective, and is that, and I think colleagues as well, which is you want to make sure that the supply and the quality of the content is fantastic. You know, so our coaches are part-time employees delivering the content over, you know, delivering these live classes over high internet. Like we set up the booth, the server's giving them real-time statistics about the customers so that they can comment and like give you that experience. But they're not, we are responsible for driving the demand to the classes. And so, I mean, I think that was more, if you, if you look at the customer satisfaction of the people who use FitMob, they loved it. So it was more a matter of, you know, fit, the business scaling. Yeah. And actually, because we were so coach centric, we started with a model that it was different than FitMod, but we, we were giving coaches tools to create their own offerings and, and mashing supply and demand in a very hyper-local way through fitness was slower to scale than, than you would want. And mm-hmm. it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't achieve what the instructors are really looking to do. So I still believe there's a way to go direct to, to have a direct to consumer model that really starts digital. And I do think there's an offline can well that, that emerges, but I don't think that's the right place to start. Class pass. Um, <laughs> so, Long I mean, or short think, or an interesting opinion. Um, so, I mean, class pass has done an incredible job at building a market out of a, an industry that has really struggled with really high fixed costs, low utilization. They were able to come in with a super attractive all-you-can-eat price point and hit the demand like no one has really done in, in fitness, maybe ever, and, and, and grown as quickly as they did. The economics, however, for the studios, I think, have been quite challenging. And Class has spent a lot of time working on the economics to become profitable. They're moving into digital right now, and so there's a potentially interesting online-offline hybrid that they're finding. Um, but I think what Class did really well was was hit a consumer need to be able to mix it up and 
to go across studios at a price point that makes sense. And much like Selena is trying to solve the price point issue, cost has solved them. In the next five years, next 10 years, am I still going to be going to Barry's three times a week? Like how is, how are people, how is fitness going to change this on a mass level? So, I mean, I think that if you have the time and the money, right, going to an in-person class experience is awesome. You know, it's, if you think about anything virtual, right? Like, you know, people, people were saying, oh, well, virtual reality, like people won't travel anymore. Like that's crap, right? It's yeah. like, you see the pyramids in virtual reality and you're like, I want to get to Egypt, right? right? Yep. Like, and so if you can go to that physical experience and meet that live coach and like have that experience, it's going to be great. But the issue is, you know, based on their models, like you, they need to have, first of all, longer classes that are at higher price points. And so most people don't have the time and don't have the money. So I do think that that like like luxury boutique, like whether it's going to be, you know, spinning or some new invention of like a different fitness thing, like there will be high-end boutiques that are going to be there, but but that is not going to serve people who cannot afford $30 a class, mm -hmm. which is currently the price point. Yeah. We don't live near yeah. that access. Right. So, you know, when you're, when we're looking at our customers, they're in, pockets of like Iowa, New Mexico, Wisconsin, like it's not just, you know, the metropolitan urban areas. And so from that perspective, I think that, you know, all of a sudden you have people, as we know, you know, 80% of people now have smartphones in their pocket, like people are getting better bandwidth in their house. So like these, to me, the biggest change is bringing, seeing all these digital experiences actually give people access who have not had access prior. Mm -hmm. And that is what I feel like is the biggest change. Now, which digital offering or with the makeup of the digital offering that's going to win in five or 10 years, like, or if it's one or a plethora, I think all of that is still unknown. Yeah. My opinion. Yeah. And when you say new behaviors, you're, your user profile right now, what are their workout habits currently, if any? Well, so, I mean, I think we have that, we do have a mix because we're trying to take people who don't have access to good experiences near them, um, as well as people that aren't necessary. So if you actually look at our data, our average customer is doing a fast walk on the platform. Right. So it's not necessarily, you know, yes, we have some of the hardcore runners, but like we have a mix, but for the majority part, you know, so that is like a different persona than I think a lot of the, the fitness apps. How about, have you seen Ripped? I have, yeah. Um, have you seen Ripped? Mm -hmm. What do you think uh, of Ripped? That, I just want to make sure I'm correct. Is, this is the machine that, yep. that's Peloton for strength, yes. right? Oh, um, well, I'm a mechanical engineer by yeah. training, so like, I'm fascinated by yeah. the concept. I think it's a very bold concept. Um, you know, I, TBD on, on how it does. It's, it's, it's similar like to what the Peloton example that Selena talked about where it's very it's likely going to be very expensive and, and hit a certain demographic and I'm curious of the demographic that really wants to focus on on pure strength building but I think the concept is novel and I'm really interested to see what they do what about Strava so I mean I love Michael Horvath yes. on our board yep. <laughs> I love Strava I'm a user of Strava I, I think Strava uh of, of a lot of the trackers out there really nailed community early mm -hmm and has really shown the importance of building that digital community. And they, they built it online and offline really in the early days. Their, their segment um, feature was genius in the early days because they built this local community of people who were trying to beat each other on these segments. So, I mean, they, they've just done a fantastic job, in my opinion, building a really sticky product experience for a segment of people who really cares about, about cycling. What do you think Peloton really nailed? I mean, I think so. 
Peloton nailed in my mind, like a it gave you back time, but in that time it changed the experience, right? So it's like you you are using your bike and you're used to that, like the bike where you're just sitting there in your home, like, you know, going nowhere. And here they created that interactivity and that bring that class to you. So again, from my perspective, it's like, if you can make it so rather than dreading the experience, you're actually enjoying what you're doing while you're doing it. Like that is really the only way to create behavior change. Yeah, and they, I come from Apple, so like the vertically integrated model, like what Peloton has done with integrating, mm-hmm. the hardware is still just a bike, but they've done a good job mm-hmm. of integrating the data with the experience, which is a, a unifier across everyone that's using the product, which I think is really smart. What's a big consumer fitness company we haven't talked about at all? I mean, the, the largest are still the 24-hour fitness, right. the 10 fitness. <laughs> I mean, those yeah. are still the largest in terms of Mind, body. revenues. Mind, body, and mind. Are those in five years, are they still going to be the biggest or? TBD, I think, but I, but I do think like your basic gym experience is starting to be met through digital products. And, and I think the motivation of going and getting on a machine is, is just like not as nearly as motivating as the boutique fitness experiences. And so if you could, for that audience, you can deliver a really compelling experience. I, I think we're going to start to see a shift in usage there. Do you, I have uh, about a dozen friends looking to build a company in the consumer fitness space, and they're all building either one of two companies. One is a better personal trainer, or sort of like a, a personal trainer, and the other is a app for to get their friends together and work out together. Has anyone built interest, something interesting along those lines of either of those companies, or and will they? <laughs> is that a, those actual problems like re- replacing a personal trainer and you know group organizing for? So <laughs> I'll, I'll give my opinion on group organizing and, and maybe you can talk about trainers who have more experience. Like we built a company, Evite, 20 years ago that built groups to do anything, whether it was like parties, yeah. exercise, happy hours, and like getting a group together to do anything is only a certain size market. And so now you're going to create a niche on top of that, which is like getting a group together just for exercise. I just fundamentally don't think that's a big enough business. And it's, I don't think that's something people are willing to pay for. Evite, Paperless Post, they're all like mostly ad supported models. And so you need a tremendous amount of volume. So that's just my negative on that. But <laughs> not to discourage people no, no, totally. from starting a company. I'll tell but my I friends to kill their I'm a trainer, I feel like yeah. you're more expert on than me. Yeah, I mean, so from a trainer perspective, I would argue that a lot of these apps are already headed down that direction I've had the benefit of world-class trainers and what world-class trainers do like of course they're there with you sometimes but they're really giving you a program and they're they're holding you accountable to something and I think a lot of the I I see a convergence between even apps like Selena and I are building and the personal trainer um, and what technology can really do to start to layer in the coaching part of it so I, I guess I would argue that that's being done and that the role of the personal trainer is evolving um, as technology starts to take over. Yeah, one question I have to have, will there be a world in which I'm going to Madison Square Garden as one of like 20,000 other soul cycle, right? Like, or, or like, or some workout that is like at a mass, like will coaches be as popular as biggest pop stars or the biggest like it's happened in food right like people have become. Yeah. So I mean, I, I'm curious to take here, but I mean, our take is that, that, fitness coaches, trainers, whatever you want to call them are, are kind of the ultimate curators of all things fitness. And people look to them, not just to coach them in the fitness experience, but for broader, like 
wife, yeah. healthy life. Yeah. Um, and so we, we really do believe that trainers build brands for themselves and they build them around workout formats and that someday there could be um, so many people right. like Kayla who are attracting large audiences like Wanderlust might attract um, yeah. in, in person. What's something you guys, you guys have been doing this uh, for a year, probably for you know, over two years. What, what have you, what's something you've changed your mind about as you've gone deep in the space as to how it works or something idiosyncratic about it? So <laughs> I think one of the things that, you know, and it's in some of the academic research, but one of the things that we've seen is that even people who say they aren't competitive actually like a little touch of competition mm -hmm. and that there was this really interesting study, I think from that, from MIT, where they took a group, one group they had just a control, then they had a group that was competitive, encouraging, and competitive and encouraging. And only the two groups that had some competition actually had better retention. Mm -hmm. And so for me, like I, by nature with, with activity and athletics, I'm not somebody who's super competitive, but, but, you know, and so we've kind of built our app around this percentage to your own goals. And so you can still like be high on the leaderboard and, and it feels so good to like be high on that leaderboard, even if it's just like versus your own goal. Um, and I just think that like, that was kind of a surprise to me because when you ask most people, they say, Oh, I'm not competitive about, about athletics. You know, there's obviously the athletes who are both kind of everybody else. And so that's been one of the biggest like product learnings, I think. There's an interesting point there, Thread. When do you pivot and when do you keep going? Mm. Yeah, that's such a great, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not the like, end all be all of the answers here, but um, I'll say for us, we, you know, we had something, we had acquired well over a thousand coaches across San Francisco and Boston that were using our product that were really excited and passionate, but like, it was just like the feeling where like, it's just, I, I felt like we weren't delivering on the consumer and the demand side like we wanted to. And even though it was growing every month, it, it was like, my gut just knew that like, there was a better way to do this. And so we actually pivoted not because it like wasn't working, but because we believed it would work a lot better if we did it a different in a different order. And so, yeah, we put a we put a test together and built an alpha in like six weeks. We instantly saw engagement like we hadn't seen anything we'd done, and uh, it was just a no brainer for us. We stopped everything else that we were doing and put a hundred percent of our resources on building an audio fitness product. What would you advise to someone out there who similarly has a passion for for the space? And has spent most of their time building companies and products outside of consumer fitness who now wants to delve into the into the space sort of you guys a little bit when, when you first started what advice would you have to someone thinking about where to focus or um what's something to think about as they start to build their their company specifically? Yeah. yeah it's it, so i for me i came at this with um two passions one was building consumer products i came out of apple and the second was fitness as a passion and, and i think um Something that I've learned along the way is just building a great product that you love isn't necessarily enough. And that when it comes to fitness in particular, that habits, everyone else's habits are not my own experience. And that um, I have to get out of my own head, actually, to like really look at what an everyday consumer, how an everyday consumer approaches fitness to build a better product. And I would just say that there is a, there are actually a lot of apps out there. And so if you're going to build something, just make sure that there's something that's actually a unique proposition because the hardest part is distribution. Like right. there's just so many people fighting for the consumer's attention and you're competing against both offline and online, yeah. right? Like yeah. apps as well as like Planet Fitness, which has this, a 
hefty marketing budget, you know? And so you need to make sure that there's something like unique that you're actually offering to the customer and something that's differentiated because, you know, it, it is, it's hard to essentially, you know, you're, there's a lot of competition to get that customer's attention. And, and, you, and is it something you guys have done to clever in distribution that that's worked or is it, is it everyone's just, you know, Facebook and, and sort of the standard we're, st we're still pretty early, so. Yeah, so, I mean, we focus on the product for the first yep. year. However, um, our coaches for us have, have right. been a focus point early and, and, um, and a really powerful, powerful early acquisition tool for us, um, but we're still unlucky. Cool. Yep. Is there anything you guys want to plug in terms of upcoming launch or where people can download? We do, I think so, we do a monthly um, virtual charity walk or run. And so our next one coming up is February 10th with the Go Red for Women. And so American Heart Association. So join us for a virtual walk on February 10th. That's wow. awesome. Um, yeah, for us. Um, what charitable thing are you doing? That's <laughs> <laughs> hard to I, 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 I'm, 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 just, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, we do challenges every month, so um, people can keep an eye out for the next challenge, which will drop in February. But otherwise, you can get moved with on the App Store awesome. and Gifts. Yes, mm -hmm. this has been fascinating, guys. Thank you so much for, for joining on the Lily Podcast. Thank you. Yeah.